Thank you, Miss Robin. Take your Bibles tonight. Turn to Genesis chapter 6 tonight. Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6 tonight. As you're turning, obviously you know we live in a world that is warped. It's getting, it's not correct English, but it's true. It's getting worse and worse all the time. And that's what the Bible predicts. We talked about it. We're talking about it in Sunday school. Brother Pete's been bringing back the last days. We're talking about it in Revelation. That obviously we're, we're coming towards the end of what we realize uh, this world is like for us as a church age, in the church age, that God has given us a, a space of time for folks to freely be, to be saved. And then there's the rapture of the church. And after the rapture of church, there's seven years of judgment. During that seven years of judgment, this world is going to be go through difficulty like it has not known since the days of what we're going to speak on the day, the days of Noah. And Jesus, after seven years, is going to come back. We'll come back with him. We ushered into a thousand-year reign called the millennial age. Then after that, the millennial age will have a, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. This old earth will be, will be thrown away because as good as it is, it's still a sin-cursed earth. So God's going to give us a new heaven and a new earth, and we'll get to rule and reign. He said, preacher, what are we going to do in heaven? I don't know, but it's going to be good. It doesn't talk a whole lot about what we're going to do. It just says the servants will serve him. You say, man, serving, that sounds like it's going to be hard work. When the sin curse is taken away from us, work won't be all that bad. Now, I know work is a four-letter word, but it's not all that bad, folks. Okay? It's good to work. Actually, it's God's will for us to work. I don't know if, we, I don't know if most males in this world know that anymore. Most folks in America. I've been doing a lot of traveling, going to get my daughter, different things, motorcycle trip. Everywhere I go, it says hiring, now hiring, now hiring, now hiring. Everywhere I go, folks saying, we can't get anybody to work. Mm, that's, that's, a, that's a sad sign on a society when people would rather sit home and watch cartoons in their mother's basement instead of go get a job. That's what's happening nowadays. That's what's happening nowadays. But none of you would ever do anything like that. Amen. Amen. I hope not. We live in a world full of corruption and wickedness and violence. Did a little bit of studies, some statistics. In the 1990s, there was one murder for every 100,000 people living in the United States. But by 1974, that statistic had risen for one out of every 10,000 people. That means every, every year, one out of every 10,000 people in America die a victim of murder. 1987, there were uh, 10 million property crimes. I mean, excuse me, uh, 100,000 property crimes. But 7.2 million property crimes reported in the U.S. in 2018. In fact, the FBI stated the likelihood of a person in America experiencing a violent crime has increased 50% in the last decade alone. Of course, the violence, if you, if you watch TV or, or don't watch TV or just read the news or don't read the news, you can't help but rec recognize that violence has become a way of life. It's standard. Every time you pick up the newspaper, time you look at the, watch the news, every time you, you look on social media, you're seeing some type of violence, some type of corruption. Just it's obviously all over the TV. By the age of 12 years age of age, a teenager has watched or a preteen has watched 13, oh, oh, nearly 14,000 hours of television. Twice as much as he'll spend a day in school by the time he finishes 
that exposure. He's seen 14,000 deaths. That's one for every hour. He's observed over 100,000 violent crimes. That's one every eight minutes. So we're exposed to violence on every hand, aren't we? The hardest jobs today, what are are some difficult jobs today? What are you hearing people having a hard time finding? Bus drivers. I wonder why. Who will want to be a bus driver when you have a bunch of kids which you can't do anything about except for tell them, stop doing it. You can't touch them because if you touch them, they'll have to put you in a place where the pipe sunlight to you. In my day, they take you off the bus, spank you, put you back on, crying or not crying. It was a better day. It was a better day. Now, if you just look at somebody wrong, they want to sue you. Another, another hard job where people can't find any, any, any help is referees. Referees. I personally, I was a football coach and an athletic director for eight years, and I've been to a lot of different sports events. I've, I've seen it where a referee and a deacon in an independent fundamental Baptist church was this close to one another yelling and screaming over a football game. I thought they were going to kill each other, and I was going to call 911 over a murder over a flag football game. I mean, it was life and death. And as the referees, now you go to public schools, you go to, you go to all these different schools, where's the hardest games to coach, to referee? He says, the hardest rest for us to ref is private Christian schools. Christian schools who are supposed to love God with all their heart, soul, and mind and love their neighbor as their self? Wow. That can never happen. They can't, get, they can't find referees because for $25, you want to get yelled at and screamed at by a bunch of late men and women who think they know football or baseball or soccer, but their sweet little Johnny, their dear little one, doesn't get penalized, and they go up in arms because that little sweet thing, that sweet little darling can do no wrong. Excuse me if I exaggerate just a little bit, but I've seen it with my own eyes. We live in a wicked world. I'm not going to give you statistics about drug abuse, pornography, 70% 70% of all, all men watch pornography. 70% of all men watch pornography. Abortion. Abortion. So many other sins that plague society today. The question is, how in the world could an individual or a family in the world in which we live, live for God? How can we, how can we in this society, which is wicked, and going to get worse, live for God, have integrity. Is it possible? Is it possible that Christians in this day can live for God? Well, there was a time that was actually worse than this. You said, preacher, there was a time in the world that was worse than this? Yeah, the times before Noah, I believe, was worse than this. So tonight we're going to talk about four essential ingredients to integrity. Let's look, chapter 6. In verse 6, chapter 6, and verse 8, actually chapter 6, and start with verse 1. Chapter 6 and verse 1. It came to pass when the men began to multiply on the face of the earth, the daughters were born unto them, and the sons of God saw the daughters of men. They were fair, took them wives of all that they chose. The Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with men, 
for that for that he also was flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and bare children unto them, and the same became mighty men, which were, were of old women of renown, men of renown. What do we have here? We have a great apostasy. What is a part of the great apostasy? Well, first of all, there was mass population. Remember, it started with two people, Adam and Eve. And up to this time, up to this time now, many believe there are up to at least a billion people that are part of the earth. He said, how they grow, how many people so fast? Well, they live, remember, 969 years. Methuselah, uh, they were having children for all, for all those times. It was a perfect environment, perfect gene pool. Uh, and, and because of those uh, elements, they could have many kids. Secondly, the great apostasy, not because of the great of multiplication of people, there was great pollution. There was a mixed creation. Now, what it says here uh, in the Bible's uh, the Bible that there were in verse four there were giants in the earth in those days, and, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bare children. There's lots of debate on this, and I could spend the rest of the time telling you the different theories, what different people believe about this. There's a lot of debate. A lot of, lot of good commentaries. If you'd like to study more about this, I'll give you all the reading material you want. It will cure insomnia. I promise you that. I promise you that. So people say, is this the ungodly line of Cain? Or is the king or leaders of the land? I believe, personally, for what I've studied and other good men, again, believe that. Some disagree. I believe these are men who have been possessed by fallen angels who choose to procreate with human women. Don't you remember the beginning of time we talked about that a third of all the angels were cast out of heaven because of the sin, rebellion of Satan? One third of all the angels. I believe these angels inhabited the males and, and cohabitated with women. You say, well, by, and I know people say, well, preacher, doesn't it say in the New Testament that, the, that they, don't, they don't marry, that the, you know these angels don't marry? Yes, they don't marry, but it doesn't say they can't have children. It doesn't say they can't have children. What does the Bible say? In Jude chapter 6, the angels were kept, kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He hath reserved an everlasting chains under the darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So there's some fallen angels, demons, that are so wicked, they're chained, they're chained up even unto this day. It says, even in Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in the light man are giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Again, there's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, uh, get up here and say this is dogmatically what the truth is, but it's what I believe and a lot of the other good people believe. The Bible says in verse 5, I saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continued. It was repented not the Lord that he made, made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man from whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air. For repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah, verse 8, found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are generations Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect. In his generations, and Noah walked with God. The word perfect can be translated a person of integrity. He wasn't perfect, meaning he was sinless. He was perfect in that he was a mature person. With all this wicked abomination that was going on in the world, Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. So what are some, what are some 
characteristics of a person of integrity, even in a, in a world, in a world that's gone wrong. First of all, the first ingredient is integrity is, is purity in the midst of immorality. Integrity is choosing purity in the midst of a whole lot of immorality. Man, there's immorality everywhere you go. There's wickedness, fornication, impurity, un, <laughs> debauchery. Everywhere you, everywhere you go, you can't go in Publix and look at debauchery. I mean, just have to close your eyes, almost have to go into the checkout aisle. I mean, it's on every hand. Imagine the wickedness, imagine the nakedness, imagine the debauchery in this land where every imagination of a man's thoughts were only evil continually. It says, God saw the wickedness of man was gray in the earth, and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was on evil continually. What a sad lot. Where they, th they only thought about evil, how to do evil, how to do wrong. How, how horrible it was. The, but Noah, in the midst of this, chose to do right. I believe this was his godliness was an indictment upon the society. He was a person of integrity. He chose to follow God when it was unpopular. In fact, when God was going to move and, uh, and work on lives of other people, he decided that he, he said, I, I'm going to try to find one person. Can I find one person? He found one person. He said he didn't find two people or three people or four people or five people or six people. No, he found one person, Noah, who did right in the sight of God and, cho and, and chose to live for God no matter what other people did. And dear, dear friend, in the midst of an impure world, when the world is immoral and wicked and corrupt, you're going to have to choose to do right. You're going to have to choose it. You might be in a home where everybody else is doing wrong. You do right. Wife, if your husband's do, doing wrong, you do right. Husband, if your wife's doing wrong, you do right. Children, if your parents are doing wrong, you do right. Mom and dad, if your children do wrong, you do right. Whoever you are, you have to choose it. You see, friend, I'm ultimately, first of all, accountable to God and God alone. I'm accountable to God. And God alone, and you are accountable to God and God alone. Be most concerned about your relationship with God, you yourself. Because I know one thing, you can't change people. God changes people. You have to be concerned about what is your relationship with God, and are you right with God? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things yet seen, uh, it's not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteous, which is by faith. Oh, he was a preacher of righteousness for 120, 120 years, but he, by the grace of God, said, I'm going to do the one thing first. I'm going to look to my family, and by the grace of God, my family is going to be saved. And that's what he did. That's what he did. He chose to do right. His, his godly life was an indictment to the world. You say the, the wickedness of the world. The, the world system. The Bible says, love not the world or the things of the world. What, what is the world? It's not talking about the people. It's the world system. The, the world's uh, philosophies. The world's philosophies. The world's uh, ways. The world's direction. The world is going a direction that is opposite of God. And you have to choose to go opposite of the world. 
It's like you get in that, you get in that, get in that water over that side or that side. There's a tide that's going a direction. You try to go the other way. See, if you just you just kick up your legs and try to float, you're going to go with the way of the tide. You have to go against the tide if you want to go the if you want to do right. And that's how it is in the in the way in the world. You have to you have to decide I'm going to go the right way. You, when you get saved, hey, when you're when, before you're saved, you're going with the world because you're of the God of this world. You're, you're going his way. There's, there's no struggle. There's no, oh, there's struggles of natural life because of sin. But as soon as you get saved, you're going against the tide. You're, go, you're going against the world. You're going against the flesh. You're going against the devil. You're going the opposite way. And people don't like it when you're different. Oh, when you walk into that, when you walk into that uh, workplace with a Bible, whoo, people don't like that. When you start singing Amazing Grace instead of Hell's Bells, people don't like that. When you can smile and have a clean conscience tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock instead of walking in the office like half the rest of them getting over a hangover because they've been drunk for two days. Look like they've been rung through a, look like they're getting beat through a, a, a ringer or something. They drag in at 7 o'clock or actually probably about 7.30. Most of the time, they show up late. Oh, how different a life is of righteousness. How different a life is life of righteousness. Noah, by his very life, condemned the world, became an heir of righteousness is according to faith. Why? Because Noah was, cons- was willing to consider the approval of God more than the applause of man. And different, that's all that, that ultimately, that's all that matters in this life. Is you, you're, we are living honestly to the audience of one person, Jesus Christ. Whether other people praise you, it doesn't matter. Whether other people love you, doesn't matter. You say, preacher, it's alone. Jesus was alone too. <laughs> we just talked about it this morning. His own disciples who saw him do wondrous works, miracles, raise people from the dead. They didn't believe in him. They didn't trust him. In fact, they're over there fighting like a a bunch of schoolboys over who's the greatest. (laughs) And you have the greatest right in front of them. And they didn't get it. And ultimately, they all left him and rejected him. And dear friends, the disciples who saw Jesus, heard Jesus, talked with Jesus, fellowship with Jesus, did it. There's going to be times in this life where you're going to be, you're going to have to walk the Christian life almost alone but thank god you're not always alone because you have people in this church that hopefully would encourage you and help you and strengthen you and guide you and love you that's why it's so vital and why i can't understand as a believer in jesus christ why anybody would try to live the christian life outside the church that is spiritual suicide the most important thing I ever did after trusting Jesus Christ as my personal Savior is go to church. I went to church when I didn't want to, when I wanted to, when I didn't like it, when I didn't feel like it, when, I didn't, when it was everything against me, but it helped me. And I needed the preaching of the Word of God to help me face the life that was around me that day. And dear friend, you need it. You need it. We all need it. You say, well, preacher, 
He lived the Christian life, and he, pre and he, and he not only did he live it, he, he proclaimed it. It was personal to him. His personal life was, was righteous, and he preached righteousness. He was a man who chose to do right. He said, well, you know, which one should I do? No, both. Hey, you're in an airplane. You look outside, you see one, one, uh, one wing there and one wing there. You say, which was important? Both are important. You want both of them as you're flying in the air, right? Some people say, well, should I, should I you know, do personal evangelism or should I you know, do, uh, you know, proclaim the gospel, tell the people about Jesus? Do both. Live a Christian life so the people that you work with, they look at your life. I've said this many times. If you're working out in the world, you ought to be the best employee wherever you work. Amen? You should show up on time. Do, do the best work. Have the best attitude. Have people looking at your life and wondering what is so different about you. Why is it you show up on time? Why is it you don't complain about all the policies and procedures in the boss? Because that's you go around the you go around the break room, somebody's always complaining about this or that or something else, right? You choose to do right. You love other people. You're kind, considerate, help people. Out there, people just live in dog eat dog. But actually, a person who cares about one another and loves one another and wants to help someone, well, you're a strange person. Yeah, you're a stranger and pilgrim in this world because this world's not your home. You're just passing through. Amen. Your life should be different. You should be so strange that people look at you and say, wow, what's so different about you? And then you could say, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, Bible. Then, you're, then it's not just what you say, it's your life. It's your life. Noah had a life, had a life. Secondly, second ingredient for integrity is integrity is obedience in the midst of ridicule. <laughs> you think this guy wasn't, was it ridicule? Look at verse 13. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them in the earth and make an ark of gopher wood. Rooms thou shalt make in the ark, thou shalt pitch within, without with pitch. This is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, the height of it 30 cubits, the windows thou shalt make of the ark in a cubit. Thou shalt finish it above the door ark. The door of the ark shalt thou set and the side thereof. The lower, the second, the third story shalt thou make it. Behold, I, even I, do bring flood of waters upon the earth, destroy all the flesh, when it is the breath of life from under heaven, everything that is the earth shall die. With thee I will establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee, and of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shall bring in the ark to keep them alive with thee. Thou shalt be male and female, of fowls after thy kind, of cattle after thy kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. Thou And take thou unto thee all the food that is eaten. Thou shalt gather it unto thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Wow, think about what God said to you. Everything's going to be destroyed. Everything that you know, everything that you know. Walmart's gone, ladies, I'm sorry. Publix is gone. 
where you got your hair done, where you got your pedicure, where you got your manicure. It's all gone. Amazon's gone, not Amazon. It's over. It's over. No more free packages at my door. So I can, when the doorbell rings, I can go out there and get them. It's over. Your way of life is over. Everything's destroyed. Everything you see, everything you know, everything you comprehend is gone. This is how you're going to make it. This is what you're going to do. What did Noah say? What? Can you explain to that? Can you run that by me four or five more times? I didn't quite get it. No. He said, thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Exactly what God told him to do, he did it. He didn't question it. He didn't say, why, how. He wasn't like the average teenagers that gives you 45 reasons why they can't do it, why their siblings should do it. Why nobody else has to do it. They don't seem gloom, despair, and agony on me. It's such a punishment to have to have to take the trash out, to take the, to cut the grass. Oh, why? Oh, why is it me? Oh, me, oh Lord. You mean I have to build this ark the way you have me to build it? He didn't, he didn't question the construction of it, of it. He just did it. Imagine the ridicule. As he goes out there to get the gopher wood, people would stop him and his sons. Noah, what you doing? I'm building an ark. What's an ark? I don't know. I never built one before. Why are you doing it? God said it. Why God said it? It's going to rain. What's rain? I don't know. God said it. I'm going to do it. How big is it going to be? It's going to be like a size of a football field. That's pretty big. How is it going to be? How are you going to steer it? Don't know. Where's the rudder? Don't know. He just gave me directions. That's what I'm supposed to do. And I'm going to do it. Oh, you're crazy, Noah. I might be crazy, but I'm going to obey God anyways. I'm going to obey God anyways. Mrs. Noah's out there trying to get ready, helping her, helping her husband, doing all she needs to do. The ladies come up to her, what you doing? Well, I'm helping provide for my husband. What's he doing? He's building an ark. What? What's an ark? Don't know. I'm just doing what my husband told me to do. What? You're doing what your husband told you to do? What about the women's live movement? Don't you know we have freedom? Freedom. We don't have to obey our husbands. We have the intelligence to do exactly what we, what God wants us. Oh, not what God, but what we want to do. She actually obeyed her husband. She didn't divorce that joker, say he was crazy, and have him locked up. <laughs> Noah's wife obeyed him. God talked to Noah. God didn't talk to Noah's wife, but she Believed God through her husband. Hey, ladies, when you think your husband's crazy, he might be crazy to believe anyways. Keep going. He might be. Would you trust what God is doing, though you don't understand it? Don't we sing trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey? You mean I got to trust in my husband, though I never heard it? Did God bring you that man or not? 
Is it God's will that you married that man or not? If it's God's will that you married him, why don't you follow him? Don't make sense. Dear friend, if you, did, if you live your Christian life based on sense or not sense, you're not going to live a very good Christian life. Because what Noah was doing did not make sense. Did not make practical sense. <laughs> did not make sense to anybody in the entire world except for Noah, his wife, their sons, and their wives. But Noah chose to do right. Will you choose to do right when you're ridiculed? When people come to you and say, you believe in that Bible? That old book? You mean to believe you mean marriage is between a man and a woman? That's what the Bible says. A man and a woman. That kind of makes sense because I've never seen two men make, a, make another person. Amen? As far as I know scientifically, a man cannot get pregnant. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Two women cannot make another, another human being. I've never seen it. You ever seen it? No. If you tell people now today, men can't get pregnant, they might look at you like you're crazy. That used to be pretty much common sense. Now almost like people think you're crazy if you think a man can't get pregnant. What craziness is this? That's crazy, folks. That's crazy. Marriage is always between a man and a woman. Abortion is murder. It's wrong. It's wicked. It's sinful. Hey, if life begins at conception, that's when life begins. But 49 of your senators say right before the birth of a child, the woman should have the right to murder. I mean murder that child. 49 of the senators of the United States of, these Amer of this America. I believe abortion is wrong. I believe it's murder. That's what the Bible teaches. That's it. Well, preacher, that's unpopular. You won't be very liked. Doesn't make a difference if I'm liked. <laughs> Don't make a difference popular. Don't make a difference what they do to me. You have to do right and choose to do right, even in a world. Because what I've just said to you is going to get less and less popular. Gay marriage is wrong. Lesbian marriage is wrong. It's always wrong. Doesn't make a difference if you really, really love that person or not. It's still wrong. Feelings do not matter. Truth matters more than feelings. Base your life on truth. Don't base your life on feelings. That's what Noah did. He chose to do right. Third ingredient, integrity is patient in the midst of uncertainty. Chapter 7, verse, look, look at verse 7. Noah said unto Noah, the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy houses of the ark, for thee I have seen, I've seen righteous before this generation of every beast thou shalt make of thee by sevens, the male and the female of the beast. They're not clean by two, the male and the female, fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep the seed alive upon the face of the earth. For yet seven days I will cause it to rain upon the earth, forty days and forty nights. And every living substance I have made will destroy from off the face of the earth. The Lord did according to all the Lord commanded them. Noah was six hundred years old when the floods of water upon the earth, and Noah went in, his sons and his wife, and sons' wives with him. The ark, because the waters of the flood, of the clean beasts, and the beasts that were not clean, the fowls of everything that creepeth upon the earth, there went in two and two unto the into Noah, unto Noah and the ark, and the male and the female, as God commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days, verse 10, the waters of the flood were upon the earth. Think about this. Noah goes into the ark, the animals in the ark, wife in the ark, families in the ark, and they're in there for seven days. Think about all the people walking around. Look at this ark. 
And for 120 years, Noah's been saying, it's going to rain. It's going to rain. Imagine them yelling and screaming, Noah, where's the rain? Noah, you said it's going to rain. You said, you said, where's the rain, Noah? Where's the flood? You built this. You took all the gopher wood. You have all the animals in there. It's not raining, Noah. Have you gone crazy? <laughs> Noah, get out. You're keeping those animals. You're keeping those kids. You're keeping your wife against her will. We know it. Surely she wouldn't want to be in there against her will. Think of all the ridicule. Think about all the things they'd be saying. For seven days, for seven days, for seven days. Came to pass after seven days, the waters of the flood were upon the earth. Oh, look at verse 17. The flood was of 40 days upon the earth. The waters increased and bare up the ark and were lift up above the earth. The waters prevailed and they were increased greatly upon the earth. The ark went into the face of the waters. The waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth. At, the, at all the high hills were under the whole heaven and were covered. Verse 20, 15 cubits upward did the waters prevail. The mountains were covered and all the flesh, all the flesh died of that moved upon the earth, both fowl and cattle and beasts and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And every man, all whose nostrils were the breath of life and all that was dry land died. Every living substance was, was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground. Both man and cattle and creeping thing and fowl of the heaven were destroyed upon the, upon the earth. Noah only remained alive and they that were with him in the ark. The waters prevailed upon the earth 150 days. See, Noah wasn't just in there for a little, just little boat trip. Not just a little, little bitty trip. He was, in the wa- he was in the boat for over a year. Dear friend, integrity is patience in the midst of uncertainty. There will be times in your life where you're not going to understand why. You're going to go through difficulty. You're going to go through hardship. You're going to go through struggles. You're going to go through despondency, maybe depression and frustration. There's going to be chaos and calamity all around you. And all you have is the word of God. You can't see it. You can't understand it. You can't fathom it. But you're going to have to have patience and trust in God all the way through it. And if you do it, you'll come on the other side and you'll be glad you did. Will you do it? Will you stay strong though you don't understand it? Though it's uncertain. Though it's chaotic. It's unconventional. Will you do what's right? Because simply, it's what's God's will for your life. In your job, you're going to go through times of difficulty and problems. When you don't understand, doesn't make sense. You're going to have good bosses and bad bosses and everything in between. The average person will quit. He'll give up. Oh, it's too hard. Oh, God forbid. Someone gets a job, quits a job, gets a job, quits a job, gets a job, quits a job. What type of person is that? Every job I've ever had in my entire life, there's been times of difficulty. But you have to stay strong through it and do right, even though it's difficulty. In every relationship, in every marriage, there's going to be great times of exaltation, and there's going to be lows. It goes up and it goes down. It waxes and it wanes. You're just going to quit when things aren't good? When you've lost that love and feeling? I'm not going to sing to you, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> You're just going to give up? You're going to abandon ship? Oh, he 
don't love me like he used to anymore. He don't send me flowers anymore. <laughs> oh, man, she, she don't look like she did when she was 17. Well, neither do you, buddy. <laughs> things have changed. Yes, things have changed. But love is a choice. It's not a feeling. Feelings come and go like the tide of life. You made a commitment before God and those witness till death do you part. Stay the course till death do you part. You say death may come. Then it comes. <laughs> then it comes. You're not responsible to what your spouse does. You're responsible to God alone. You choose to do right in the relationship. No matter what that other person chooses to do. You choose to do right. Noah, <laughs> patience. God said go. God said do it. Stick in the ship. Can you imagine being with all those animals? Imagine the stench. <laughs> imagine trying to take care of these folks. Wondering, Lord, when am I going to get out of this ship? We're talking about claustrophobia. Woo! I want to get out. Can't get out. God, God closed the door. God's going to open the door. It's all going to happen in God's timing. Will you trust in the Lord with all thine heart? Lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Will you trust him through the difficulty, through the chaos? And number four, let me give you a fourth ingredient. Integrity is worship in the midst of difficulty. It's worship in the midst of difficulty. Look at verse 14, chapter 8. The second month on the seventh and twentieth day of the month was the dry, earth dry. And God spoke unto Noah, saying, Go forth in the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is, that is with thee, all flesh, both of fowl and cattle, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. I've heard that before, amen? You'll hear it again. Now Noah went forth and his sons and his wife and his son's wife with him. Every beast of creeping thing and every fowl and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth. And all kinds went forth out of the ark. Noah built an altar in the Lord and took every clean beast, every fowl, clean, every clean fowl, and, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. What the first thing Noah would do after all this was done? To get up in front of the whole world and say, why God? Why? Everything's destroyed. I got nothing. What am I going to do now? Everything is dead. He looks around him. Everything is destroyed. It's just the ark, his family. Everything is gone. Everything he knew is gone. His familiarity of the place is gone. His home, his friends, his family. And they were all his family. They're all gone. What most people do, they'd raise their bony fist to God and say, why, God, did you take all this from me? What did Noah do? He worshiped God. Amen. It was all gone. It was all gone. But it didn't matter to, to Noah because you know what he had? He had God. He was in God's will. He had the, had the boat, had the animals to restart, had his family. God gives him, gives, gives him a new, the same command that was given to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, and he did it. The best place 
and the world to be, though you have nothing, is in the center of God's will. And that's exactly where Noah was. When nothing was there, everything was gone except for what he had in that boat and his family. And he chose to do right, to worship God. And dear friend, in difficult times, when you've gone through it, you're going to have to choose how you're going to respond. When you feel like you have nothing left, when you get that phone call at 3 o'clock in the morning, when you feel your life is destroyed, you're going to have to choose like Job chose or Noah chose. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How will you react in difficulty? Man of integrity say, I'm in the middle of God's will. And though you slay me, yet will I trust in thee. What will you do? What will I do? You see, there's coming a time, and there's a time right now where we can say, not, not that a flood's coming because God made a promise and a covenant with Noah. The world would never be covered with water ever, ever again. Praise God for that. But the world is going to be destroyed. Global warming is coming. <laughs> Global warming is coming. And you know what? We need to be preachers of righteousness and need to be saying the world is coming to an end. The end is coming. The Lord Jesus is coming back. Second Peter chapter 3, knowing this first, there shall come in, come in and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of, of old and the earth standing out of the water and the water, wherever the world that was that, that then was overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, that same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of the judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Another judgment is coming. This whole earth is going to be burned up. It's going to be destroyed. And just like Noah preached for 120 years, get in the boat. Rain's coming. You need to be preaching. Jesus is coming back. Know the Lord, know the Lord Jesus. Get saved. Get right. Hell is real. Hell is real. Hell is real. Just as certain as the floods came, Jesus is coming back. Some parallels between, two parallels between Noah's ark and Jesus Christ. First parallel is that God, not man, designed the ark simply yet profoundly. It was his plan of salvation to all, the, all that would enter in. Dear friend, it's not my plan. It's God's plan. And just like, just like there was only one door, there's only one way to salvation. That's through Jesus Christ. John chapter 10, verse 9. I am the door by me. If any man enter, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. It's God's plan. And God's plan is that every person is saved through Jesus Christ alone. Not through Buddha, not Muhammad, not through transcendental meditation, not by giving, not being a Baptist or Presbyterian or Pentecostal or Catholic, but by faith. In Jesus Christ, by the grace of God, that is the only way to salvation. There is no other. There is no other. And there's only one name you can be saved through, the name of Jesus Christ. Will you, have, will you have integrity? Will you have purity in the midst of immorality, obedience in the midst of ridicule, patience in the midst of uncertainty, and worship 
in the midst of difficulty? Will you? Will you? Will I? Time will tell. Just as sure as we're sitting here in this auditorium this, this evening, time will tell. Will we in this room be men and women and young folks of integrity, or we will be just like this old world, like the grass of this world that's there for a moment and then passes away? It's a choice. Noah had a choice, and you and I have a choice to live for God, to stand in a world, to do right in a world that is going all wrong. Diddley Ting was a well-known speaker in the 1800s. 1858, spoke to 5,000 young men at the Young Men's Christian Association, the YMCA. They don't call it that anymore. I wish they did. We know it today as the YMCA, but it's no longer Christian. Dudley preached to 5,000 men. 1,000 of those 5,000 responded and trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Later that day, he went back to the farm, decided to go to the barn, watch the men shelling corn as he was watching. Got a little too close to the machine. Got his jacket caught in the arm, pulled into the grinding gears of the machine, lacerated his arm beyond repair. Didn't have an emergency room. Didn't have an ambulance to go pick him up, take him to the hospital. Didn't have it. He was dying. People were around him as he was dying. And they said, Dudley, give us a message to take back to the people. He strained. He sat up the best he could. He said, tell the people to stand up for Jesus. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner. It must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army shall he lead till every foe is vanquished. And Christ is Lord indeed. Oh, dear believer in Jesus Christ, stand up. In a world that's going wrong, stand up and by the grace of God, choose to do right. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the true biblical account of Noah, that in a wicked world, Noah found grace in the sight of God. Oh God, may we find grace in your sight. In this world that is going wrong, this, this world is, that is hell-bent towards destruction, help us in our marriages to do right the places of our employment to do right, in our private lives to do right. May we do right till the stars fall or Jesus Christ comes back to take us home or we die living for you. I don't know everyone in this room, but I pray everyone in this room has placed their faith in Jesus Christ. The greatest decision in your life is to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Not about your money, not about your job, not about your family. The greatest decision you can ever make in this life is placing your faith in Jesus Christ alone. If you're here tonight and you don't know Christ, you're not sure you know Christ, you have doubts in your life, you have doubts whether if you were to die the day you go to heaven, dear friend, I beg you, I plead with you, don't walk out those doors with having doubts. You can be saved. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For God so loved his world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You can have everlasting life. You don't have to doubt it. You don't have to question it. You can be sure. Head bowed, eyes closed. Say, preacher, I'm not sure if I die today to go to heaven, but I want to be sure. Would you pray for me? I'm not a Christian, but I want to be a Christian. I want to be saved and go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Anybody like that at all tonight? Anybody at all? Amen. How about you, dear friend? Are you living for Jesus? 
I don't know. I don't even pretend to know what's going on behind the closed doors of your home. I don't know what's going on at your place of employment. I don't know what persecution. I don't know what ridicule. I don't know what difficulty. But I know one thing. If you stand for Jesus, you're going to get some pressure. You're going to get some stress. If you're going against the tide of this world, you're going to be people thinking you're crazy. You're out of your mind. You're about, you're about lunatic. Like they thought about Noah and his family. He said, preacher, I'm going through some difficulty. I'm going through some stress. Pray that I do right in a wrong that's going all wrong, in a world that's going all wrong. Pray that I have the courage, the integrity to keep doing right in my marriage, a place of employment, in my life, in my family. Pray that I continue to do right. Would you pray for me, preacher? Anybody like that tonight I can pray for? Pray for me. Amen. Some other people. Amen. Pray for me that I can have the courage to do right. Anybody else I can pray for? I'm struggling. I'm going through difficulty. Maybe in your home. Maybe your place of employment. Maybe somewhere else in your family. I'm struggling, preacher. Would you pray for me that I'd have integrity to do right? I want to end well. Would you pray for me? Anybody else tonight? Anybody else? Let's stand to your feet. If God has spoken to your heart, this altar is open. Maybe, maybe, make a, maybe, maybe come up here and say, Lord, I'm dedicating myself. Maybe you've been struggling. Maybe you've been faltering. Maybe you've been failing in these areas that I've been mentioning tonight. So by the grace of God, Lord, I know I've failed, but by the, from the, by the grace of God, from this point on, I'm choosing to do right in my family. I'm choosing to do right in my place of employment. I'm choosing to do, play, to do right where in my private life, my public life. I'm choosing it. I'm choosing it. Would you choose it? Would you commit yourself to God? Would you decide to obey His will tonight? Oh, the altar's open as the song plays. Would you make your way forward?